Welcome to the Alberta Wedding Podcast, a platform for Alberta wedding professionals and couples to connect, learn, and share ideas. I'm your host, wedding videographer Kevin Marr. With over 100 weddings behind me, I'm your guide to all things weddings in this great province of ours. Well, this is going to be a really fun episode, especially for all the uh, wonderful wedding professionals here in Alberta. Get your pens and pads out because in this next hour, we're going to be dropping a lot of nuggets here when it comes to your social media strategy. I am so excited to have this next guest on. She is someone who knows what she's doing when it comes to social media strategizing and really offering uh, solutions and and recommendations for professionals like ourselves that can really help uh, get our message out there to our clients and leads that won't put us in a, a bad light. So without further ado, I'm really excited to have Laura Milroy with Laura Milroy Media on. Laura, how are you doing? I'm awesome, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, you know, it's been wonderful. We met a few years ago at a workshop. I've done some work with you. I've gone through your social media courses in the past, and it's, you bring a lot of uh, knowledge and experience to the table. So I think this is going to be a really informative episode for all the professionals out there that are listening. And even I would say for couples that are listening too, you know, for their own social media personal channels, I think there's a lot of things that uh, on a personal side, you, they can get a lot out of this as well. So I'd love for you to maybe uh, kind of give a little background as to how you got into being a social media expert and and just like, how did you fall into this? Well, I really did fall into it, actually. My background is in TV and film, actually. And so for a few years, I like that's what I studied in university. And I was lucky enough to get a job in the TV and film industry for a few years. And then I got pregnant. <laughs> And, you know, that just, you know, a whirlwind changed my life. And I realized that the long days on set, which Kevin, I think you know about, (laughs) uh, were not going to be conducive to a family lifestyle that I wanted to have. So I made a shift and realized kind of what I was good at and ended up working for a group of hotels doing some of their marketing and as a marketing person, uh, when you're at the lower levels, they always seem to throw on social media to the, you know, interns and the coordinators and the lower level marketing (laughs) professionals. So I was in charge of the online presence of six hotels across Canada. Oh, wow. And really got a headfirst education just as social media for business was becoming a thing right around kind of 2012 and in that time frame. Before that, people were mainly using it for um, social purposes. And then it kind of moved into business purposes, probably about a year or two prior to my starting for the hotels. And yeah, essentially, I just was thrown into the fire and forged in the fire. (laughs) And from there, I ended up just working with a lot of small businesses in the area where we are, which is Edmonton, Alberta, and um, being able to help them sell their products and grow their businesses. And that's where I started. And how was that that transition going from your working, you know, for someone else to, you know, now branching off into your own media business that uh, with your own name and uh, you're your own boss and you're doing everything now? Anyone who started a business, I think, can understand that it's not a seamless process and that it takes 
like years to really pull it all together. So I've been working for myself since 2015. And I really only feel like in the last two, three years, I've finally started to kind of get it together. So it was a long journey for me to really kind of get all of my ducks in a row. Yeah, it was rough. And it's, you know, for I think for anybody, and I think a lot of wedding professionals can relate. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time you start and you are the only person in your business handling everything. And you have to become a marketing professional and an accountant and, you know, like wear all of these hats in your business. And it is so overwhelming. So combining that with having a small child at the time, I was very yeah overwhelmed for a handful of years, I would say. For sure. And with your clientele, what would you say is like the predominant professionals that are coming to you? Like in what industry are they, are they coming from? Is it wedding professionals or are they other uh, industries as well? I honestly am so lucky to be able to work with a variety of industries. A lot of people say niche down and I think that's fine for a while, but I've never been, I don't want to say comfortable, but I've just never been, I have too many interests. Like I really, I'm some kind of a business nerd when it look at it. And so I like looking at different styles of businesses from e-commerce and product-based businesses, retail stores, service-based businesses that are both large and small, like wedding professionals. So that being said, if I were to look at like the people that I've worked with the most, it would probably be honestly like service-based professionals specifically in wedding industry, just because in Edmonton, you know, there are so many of them that really need to, (laughs) well, and it's not even that it's just that they need to be marketing focused because a wedding is a visual industry, right? So they need to put those visuals first. And so when social media kind of came into onto the scene as being one of the marketing essentials, one of the industries that picked up on it the quickest were the was the wedding industry. And I think we can see how well that's worked for that industry. Yeah, no, and I can definitely attest to that being one of them. Uh, and in the industry since 2017, it is a daunting task to have to wear all these hats and, and be an expert in everything. And, and let's be frank, like that's in a lot of instances, it's just not possible to be an expert in everything. It's just, you know, people go to school, for all these individual tasks or roles that we have to do, they go to school for years, but we're expected to be experts at all of them at the same time. And I think it's very normal for anyone, especially in the service industry, to want to just be taking on everything and, and, and just give because we're givers. We love to help others out and we want to be able to do it all, but it's just not possible in a lot of ways. And that's where like the burnout comes in. And then your messaging now on your social platforms is now becoming confused to your your clientele and, and it just snowballs from there. And so that's why I really wanted to get you on here to hopefully uh, bring some light and uh, some clarity to wedding professionals should be really focusing on when it comes to their social media brand. Because that's in a lot of cases, that's where people are seeing your brand for the first time. If you look at like a billboard, that's your social media and your website is your store. And so they're going to see you see that billboard first and you have to be able to, one, grab their attention and be able to necessarily sell to them, but we are selling, but be able to have them relate to you, be able to know you and, and be able to connect with you. And there's so many things that 
are out there that we're being told to do on a regular basis. And so I think I'd love to have you kind of break down and simplify if we can. I know that's a tall task for a one-hour episode, but I would like to know what a professional should be focusing on when it comes to their social media brand. Because there is a lot of information out there, and I think it's easy for us to feel overwhelmed with it all. Well, one thing I think the differentiation I want to make is between brand and strategy. A lot of time people use brand and business sort of interchangeably, but they are not the same thing. Brand is your business identity and your business is everything. So when we look at our brand, a lot of the time people are looking at the visual aspects of a brand and it's actually a brand is what your messaging is. It's what what you're saying and what your experience is. And so when I look at kind of where people actually usually fall short, it's not having thorough branding, not having a thorough message, not really focusing on a thorough customer experience that they are thoughtfully creating and curating in all of the touch points that their audience is going to come across. You know, if I were to start somewhere for most wedding professionals, that would be it. It would be branding before you even look at social media, because social media is just an expression of your brand, as is your website and your email list and all of these things. Those are all expressions of your brand and customer experience, but they are not your brand. They, mm-hmm. You have to have that crafted first. And I think where a lot of people fall short is in not doing due diligence, in really being intentional about what they're saying, how they're setting themselves apart who they're attracting, which I totally understand when you just get started, you're like, I just need a customer now. I don't care who it is. I'll take my mom. I'll take my brother's friend. I don't care. I just want someone in the door. But as time goes on and you start to refine your process and realize who you want to work with and who you don't and where you think those opportunities lie an already quite crowded industry, it's that much more important to thoughtfully curate what your message is and who you're attracting. So I think that's usually if you look at somebody who is kind of just starting or doesn't quite seem like they have it together and someone who's got this seamless experience, it's the person who has the seamless experience has put more thought into customer experience and brand than the other people. And you can feel it, you can see it, you can sense it. It's like, It's a multifaceted, all senses experience. And it starts with getting your messaging down and being really thoughtful in your brand strategy. And then making the translation to a social media expression of that brand and having it being an intentional, thoughtful experience and curation of the brand experience. That's excellent. I'm really glad you brought that up because it is something that all of us tend to get confused with in where we need to be really focusing on. And it really does start with your brand, what your values are, what is the type of clientele you're trying to attract. It's not putting out this uh, giant net, you know, and hoping that uh, your unicorn is going to somehow be found in there and come through your funnel. It's being very intentional with your messaging, with everything from the images you, you share to the words to your colors, to everything. And it all plays a part. And so for someone who's listening to this and they're like, oh my goodness, where do I go from here? What would you recommend for our listeners to do to start the process in really finding out what their brand is and who do they really want to be attracting? Well, first and foremost, that's business strategy. I would look at 
where the money is, you know, like where, what kind of person do they, like what experience do they want to have? So, you know, if they're looking for big weddings or cultural weddings or small intimate weddings, they have to decide like where they're going to fit in the industry. So it's going to be a combination of looking at where the opportunities are and what they're good at, right? So if there's a photographer or planner or florist who does large-scale weddings better than small-scale weddings, they need to know that. They need to know where their expertise lies. And once you once you kind of know that, then you have to look at the kind of people who are going to buy that. If you are going to niche down into micro weddings and smaller weddings, you have to figure out how that's going to be scalable to your business goals, to your bottom line, so that you can make the kind of money you want to make while having these smaller weddings. You know, does it mean that you can do more of them? Or are you doing just this exact same amount of planning in a small wedding as you are doing a large scale wedding, but just charging less, right? You have to decide where your priorities and your goals lie. But from there, there's an audience for all of it, right? And I think that figuring out who your audience is and what they actually really want takes a lot of research and data where you um, have to look at like who's buying these products. And, and what do they want? Ultimately, if you're going after those big fish who have the hundred thousand dollar weddings or the million dollar weddings, you really have to get in touch with the luxury market and know what they want. And it's, and if you are not in touch with that market, if you are not actively even participating in that market, it can be difficult to really know and and get inside the minds of your audience. So you really have to figure out where that happy medium is between what you excel at and who's going to buy that. I think that's really important that you touch on that. If you want to work in a specific niche or attract a certain type of clientele, you have to put yourself in their shoes. You have to think like they do. Where do they shop? How do they talk? What are the things that they do on a regular basis? Because if your brand does not speak to that, they're not going to come to you. They're going to go to somewhere else that they connect with more. And I'm wondering like, you talked about like the research aspect of it. What are some really simple things that people can do right now that are listening that they can go out and like some tangible tasks that they can do to really find out what their market is that they're trying to attract? Honestly, it's going to be looking at their competitors, other people who are doing it well, whether it's in your geographical area or just across the world, and seeing who's doing it well, who's get, catching those big fish, who's in converting, who's who's making the money, and um, and putting on the best experiences. And from there, just trying to figure out what they do and reverse engineer it. Honestly, that would be the first thing. And then it's going to be looking at how you replicate that in a sustainable way where you are at. So whether that's with limited budget and finances, whether that's in a geographical area that isn't as dense, whatever the variables are in your situation, how can you replicate that experience tangibly and sustainably for in your circumstances? So you know, you everybody wants to start out doing a million dollar wedding. And that's probably not going to be the case when you just start out and something to, to work towards. So you take the baby steps, you set the benchmarks, you set your goals, and then you just you just try things until until you learn enough to know what it takes. Honestly, a lot of what marketing is specifically is just a lot of trial and error. There are best practices. There's a lot of people who have learned a lot through trial and error that you can learn through their mistakes or their wins. 
but the wins and the losses don't always translate, right? So what works for someone else doesn't work for everyone. That's why going viral is such a mystical thing is because it's like, if we knew what the, you know, specific recipe was to go viral, then everybody would. And if everybody goes viral, then nobody goes viral. So it ends up being a bit of trial and error just to figure out where you specialize, how you're going to find your success. And then just trying like everything until you get there, until you learn the lessons you need to in order to create just 10% more sustainability every year. Sustainability, that's the key word, I think, uh, for a lot of people that are that are listening to this. And I think in just in general, you know, there's a lot of uncertainties right now in the world. And, you know, to have some sustainability is, is something that I think everyone's looking to achieve, right? And there's, again, there's, there's no magic formula for it. And it really depends on everyone's situation, but it's definitely something that everyone's trying to achieve, right? Now, you mentioned about going viral, and this kind of is a really good segue into what I wanted to talk with you next, and that's about video marketing and the importance of having a strong video marketing strategy when it comes to your social media, because that is where a lot of people are consuming their media these days, their content. Doesn't matter which platform you're on now, it's it's video. Instagram has come out and has, has switched their strategy and has been pushing more into video rather than uh, photos. And so can you talk to me a little bit about when it comes to the video marketing, how can someone who has no video background and doesn't know how to use a, a DSLR or a fancy camera or anything like that, how can someone like just get started with their video marketing strategy for social media? Well, it's going to be dependent on, I guess, specifically what your service is, because, you know, like you are a videographer, you're going to be fine, <laughs> you know, but uh, let's say, you know, you're a florist or you're a photographer or you are a caterer even. It can be difficult to try and figure out what kinds of video content are going to be applicable. and. I would say that someone that's, let's, let's say, a caterer is not going to have the same kind of video content that a videographer would. And so it's one, it's setting your expectations and finding, you know, like understanding that your experience is going to be different from every wedding industry expert, right? And video is so important right now just because that's what the world is consuming at the moment. But like there has never been a time where it is easier to create video than it is now. Honestly, like I think most industries don't have any excuse to not be creating video, whether they say it's like time or they don't have the fancy camera, like they don't need one. An iPhone is good enough. My iPhone is like the 14 or I think 13. I don't even remember what it is. It's got 4K on it. Like I can shoot in 4K from my phone. It's wild. So it's like, it's never been easier. And you don't need 4K on Instagram. They always compress it anyway. So honestly, like there's a few tricks that can help you in the sense that, you know, knowing about lighting a little bit where, you know, you don't want to shoot in the dark. That's obviously not going to be helpful. But I think honestly, most of the time people complicate these things as an excuse not to do it. And that's going to be this more of a setback than anything else. It's not going to be the tech. It's not going to be the sound. Oh, I don't have a microphone. None of that matters. It's never been easier to create video content. If you have a phone, you have a camera and that's good enough. So 
I think that more than anything right now, if capture the story, I want to see businesses capturing the story. Kevin, if you look at some of your own content that's done really well, we're not looking at all of the necessarily like amazing things you're doing, right? Like you are an expert, you're a craftsman in your field. I did not pay you to say that. (laughs) But please, uh, don't stop. Don't stop. (laughs) What I think captures people are the stories that you're capturing more than how you're capturing them. It's the emotion and the energy of the moment more than it is like, you know, how many pixels you're getting. So I think that people just need to start finding those stories, those moments, those things that make them that get people excited to watch. So it's more looking at it as an entertainment value piece, whether that's behind the scenes work. Like if you're a caterer or a florist, people want to see how you make magic out of nothing, right? Like that's what they want to see. They don't know how to arrange flowers. They don't necessarily want to know how to arrange flowers, but they want to see you do it. They want to see like what the, what the recipe is in the magic that you create. And They want to see the people that are doing it and the blood, sweat, and tears that go into it. They want to see the stories in your business. They want to see the stories that you're capturing outside of your business, the environment that you're creating when you are building a wedding. So it's less about finding, you know, the specific software or hardware, the editing skills or Mm -hmm. all of the tech equipment, and more about getting good at finding the story and, and capturing a moment that people want to recreate themselves. We're doing weddings here. It's about love. It's about the best part of ourselves. It's about the funny moments, the standout moments in someone's biggest day of their life. That's easy content, man. (laughs) Like that's, you are capturing, like, like a wedding is like a viral overload of opportunity to capture stories, whether that's going to be, you know, interviewing guests or, talking to the bride and groom about their stories or the story of how a wedding comes together. All of those things are possible on a wedding day. And wedding professionals have absolutely the best opportunity to capture the most interesting, engaging, emotion-provoking stories. And they can do it all with minimal equipment and uh, minimal crew. So I honestly think at this point in time, there's no excuse not to be doing it. You know, obviously, I'm biased coming from a video background, and I do this for a living. And so I have an advantage over a, a lot of people in this industry that uh, don't have the craft that I have. And But for someone who's an introvert or someone who's not comfortable being in front of the camera or talking, what would you say to them that are listening to this that, you know, they, they want to offer this video content, they want to tell these stories about their brand, and but they can't get over that hump when it comes to actually putting themselves out there because it is scary. And I think that you know someone who isn't necessarily comfortable with being the center of attention or being on camera, I think it can be very scary for them. And so what would you say to them that are wanting to get into this, but they're having a tough time getting over that hurdle? I would say it's not about them. <laughs> It's, you know, when we're looking at what marketing does, and this is what I tell all of my clients, and Kevin, you'll remember that I said this to you as well, is that you aren't marketing the features of your business. You're marketing the transformation. You're marketing the benefits. So they don't care 
necessarily every little plot point of what's included in a wedding package. They care about the experience that they get at the end. They're not going through and saying, well, I got this and not this and this and not this, unless they felt like they weren't completely taken care of. Essentially, when you are marketing to a bride and groom or a couple or whoever getting married, they don't want to think about anything on their wedding day other than themselves. So it doesn't have to be about you. You don't have to put yourself on camera if you don't want to. I think there's benefits to doing that. But if you don't want to, tell someone else's story instead of your own. Or if you don't want to put your face on camera, do a voiceover. There are so many different ways of capturing content. And you just have to be like, honestly, 10% creative enough to look into what other people are doing and say, hey, okay, I can do this. I'm not going to do that. And choose what it is you're going to do. We can't all create a million different kinds of content. Some people are super comfortable in front of the camera and can talk for 45 minutes, but they can't condense it down into like under one. And that's a problem on social media. You need short and concise moments and bits in order to sell your content. So I think that if If people aren't comfortable about jumping in front of the camera, that's fine. Just get behind it. Just find another way to tell that story. There's so many different ways to tell the story of your business and what you're doing. You just have to, you know, figure out what your boundaries are and what you're comfortable with. And honestly, there is an element of you just have to get over it. I say this to my clients all the time. You have to eat your vegetables. You you are a business owner. You don't get to not do your taxes. I don't want to do my taxes. I don't want to pay the government money that I rightfully earned. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, I get that. But we have to do it. And honestly, like, I come from a bit of a tough love background where I'm going to say, like, if you can't find a creative way of getting around doing the thing you don't want to do, then you're just going to have to suck it up and do it. Tough love at the best right there. Okay, we may have just lost half our uh, listeners uh, right now. So for uh, the next half hour, uh, hopefully uh, we'll still have a, a couple listeners listening in because we still have a lot to uh, definitely uh, dive into here. Now, with all the different platforms out there that we're basically told to be on and have a presence on, what are your recommendations or thoughts on streamlining that so it doesn't seem so daunting and scary to have to be on like, four or five different platforms. And that's, I mean, it's time consuming, obviously. And we have so many other hats that we're wearing every day. And so what would you recommend for anyone that's listening to this that is feeling stretched? Well, welcome to the club, first of all. Like, it's honestly, like, it is difficult right now. There's a million platforms. But honestly, we don't have to be on all of them. And that's just the truth there. It's like, it feels like there's a pressure to be on everything all the time. And TikTok's kind of, I want to say the newest thing, but it's not even, not even the newest. But I think you just have to be strategic about what you can do. So if you video editing is not your strong suit, but you have a ton of footage, like finding ways to edit something once and then repurposing it across different platforms is a really useful tool. Now, each platforms are going to have your best practices. So you're probably going to want to pick on one or two to focus on in order to probably give those best practices a fair chance. But then if you just want to like add on something to, you know, Pinterest or YouTube or whatever else, you have the content, you might as well. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you do it. You just have to make some slight alterations. That being said, 
I think when choosing your platforms, it is so important to know the benefits of each one. So in marketing, we've got something called active marketing and passive marketing. So when you look at active marketing, that is the TikToks and the Instagrams of the world where the shelf life of the content is like, honestly, it can be anywhere from a couple of hours to 48 hours tops. You know, occasionally if something goes viral, it'll last a little longer on TikTok. But for the most part, it is a short-term content, which means that you have to produce volume. When you're looking at passive marketing strategies, we're looking at places like YouTube or Pinterest, where it is search-based content. So those are keyword-focused search engines. And they are people are going to be looking at content from six months ago, four years ago. And as long as the keywords are relevant to what you're what people are searching, then your content has a much longer shelf life, but it doesn't have the same like virality quotient that it would on social, on other social media platforms, specifically the active ones. It's just knowing what the pros and cons are of each platform. And ideally, what if you can, what I would suggest is picking one of each to focus on. So let's say you are a wedding photographer and you've decided that you are going to focus on Instagram and YouTube. So YouTube is going to be your passive content piece and Instagram is going to be your active content piece. You'll do your best to create content that applies to both, but you might have to adjust a little bit and create some unique content for each platform and optimize it separately. That being said, from those platforms, you can take the passive content from YouTube and put it on, you know, another platform or TikTok or anything. You can repurpose that content a million different ways. But if having a little bit of both really does sort of like give you the best chances so that when Instagram is being a jerk as it tends to be, (laughs) your YouTube is still bringing in those leads and views. And while they might trickle in because YouTube does take longer to grow, at the very least, the content that you're creating now is still going to be relevant a year from now. It's still going to be bringing in leads. And the more you create over there, the more it compounds over time. Whereas Instagram, it does give you a lot, a lot more now, but a week from now, no one remembers it. So it's, they just have their, both their benefits and their, um, their pros and cons. Just knowing that and really like, I guess, leaning into where you can turn that into a sustainable process for your own content creation is going to be, you know, up to the individual But at the same time, if you can get one of each, that's probably your best bet and makes it a lot more sustainable in the long run. I think sustainability is the the magic word for this hour because we're using that a lot. And I'm going to continue with that in the sense that with social media, it's so important to be consistent with your posting, to be engaged. How much time should professionals be spending on their social accounts each day. Is there a set like amount of time or does it vary depending on your brand and your overall strategy? Honestly, it's not about time. Um, if I'm being honest, it's it's about what your business can handle. Some people can't ha- their business is so busy, they can't handle anything. They can't handle any of that. And that's when they really need to look at outsourcing. Some people have the time because they don't have the customers rolling in yet. They're in a newer business and they can spend more time. So honestly, I think the best thing that you can do, especially when you're starting out, is figure out how to get the most out of your time, how to be the most efficient so that as your season picks up, because wedding professional seasons ebb and flow, 
you have your busy season and things when slow, when things slow down. It's knowing how to use your time, not just like per day, per week, but across the year. It's taking that down season and shoring up your coffers with as much content as you can create from your past season as possible so that when you're in your busy season, you can push out content consistently without losing that momentum but not spending very much time on social media at all. All you're doing is sort of pressing posts. The caption's been written. You've got your cover photo done. Your edit video has been edited. And all you're doing is adjusting the sound to either what's trending or what works or what you've got. So I think it's refining your own process based on what your business is like. Sustainability isn't just the word of the hour in social media. It's the word of the hour in small business. Like... Small businesses are unfortunately dying out by the dozens right now because the world is just a difficult place to run a business in and time is money. So Mm -hmm. the more time you spend on social media, probably the more you'll get out of it. But that doesn't mean consuming it, right? That means like actively participating in it. But if you're a small business running everything and wearing all the hats, you might not have more than an hour a day, more than half an hour a day to spend on social media. So you have to find a process that allows you to post consistently and as on brand as possible when you have very little time. So I don't think that there's a certain amount of time that I would recommend blanket across everyone. It's what you can do. That's how, when I work with small businesses, my job is to make it as easy as possible for them to not think about it so that someone else is handling it. Mm -hmm. When I consult with small businesses, it's the same way. How can we create processes and systems that allow you to focus on it maybe a day or two a month and then let it run on autopilot so that you don't have to touch it until the next month when you need to create more content? Because you guys have enough to do. We're all busy. We don't have endless hours in the day to be jumping on a live or digging through our thousands upon thousands of photos or videos for content when we've got a business to run. I'm glad you mentioned that because I know for me, it's, I'll have periods of time where I'm really consistent. I'll have all my posts uh, scheduled and then life happens and I seem like I'm ghosting everyone, which I'm not. But for me, it's just coming up with that consistent process or a strategy that I can deliver on a regular basis. So whether it's whether that's one post a week, like if that's all I can do, then stick to that. If you can do like two or three posts a week, great. But I think the key from what I'm hearing is just being able to, to stay consistent and really knowing what your boundaries are. Well, and it's also knowing what you get out of it. You know, if you were to post on Instagram knowing you'll get five new leads, you make time for it. And, you know, but if you're booked up and you can't take five more leads, then you're not going to make time for it. So I think it's just kind of understanding when social media is helpful and when it's just a distraction. For my own business, like I am so super busy right now and I haven't posted in months and I'm a social media manager. I should know better. But for me, it doesn't matter because I know that the moment that I do and the moment that I connect with my audience again, my content converts because I've created a process, I've built out a brand and I know how to sell to an audience that needs what I have to offer. And But that does take years of practice to kind of figure out or some expert advice from a professional like me. <laughs> uh, just a subtle way of uh, 
of saying that uh, <laughs> you are for hire. <laughs> and we will touch on that at the end of the episode on how people can get in touch with you and get more out of, you know, having someone that is on your team that is helping you along the way that is with you to get you to where you want to be. And you don't have to do it all on your own. And outsourcing can be a very beneficial strategy. I've used it for various aspects of my business. At times, it's been tough to relinquish that control. But again, you mentioned earlier, this isn't about you. And you have to put your ego aside and and be able to think of the bigger picture here, that it's more than just you. When it's all said and done, it's not about what everything you can do on your own in a week and, and be able to look at yourself and say, oh, I accomplished all this on my own. It's okay, is that sustainable? Is Am I spending enough time with my family now? Am I burning myself out to the point where I'm not good for anybody now? And I think that's where you know outsourcing does can be very beneficial. Yeah. And I think too, as small business owners, like we don't have the luxury of not being self-aware and knowing when our own idiosyncrasies and egos get in the way. We have to, you know, really be very conscious of how we are stopping our own growth. And so, you know, unfortunately, a lot of personal work goes into being a business owner like that. You really have to look at where you are the stopping block or you are the bottleneck of some of your work. And so outsourcing can be a really helpful tool in that way. But at the same time, I think that it is difficult for everyone to kind of get a wider picture. But I'm someone who firmly believes in not necessarily putting the customer first, but always being hyper aware of what the customer experience is. Like not what you want it to be, not what you hope it's going to be, but what is it actually? Where am I failing? Where am I, you know, where am I doing well? And the more that we can really be really honest with ourselves in what that is, especially across the digital platforms, the more you realize that there are little gaps and little valleys where, you know, your customers are dropping off because you don't have something to capture them. You don't have what you need in order to convert. And one of the luxuries of being a social media manager for business is knowing what works long-term and short-term. So content is great for short-term, but I still get people finding me even when I'm not posting content because I've optimized my accounts in order to be searchable so that even if I were to never post again, people will still find me. And that when they land on my account, that they understand who I am, they understand what my services are, And they get a sense of what that experience is and what they're going to get with working with me. And the more you can do that, like there, one thing that people are doing is jumping off Instagram altogether, but essentially using it as a landing page. So they might only create content quarterly to update their services and their offers and their messaging and their brand, but they're not creating content on a daily, weekly basis, but they've optimized their account enough that it is searchable so that if people are to look for certain keywords, that they are being found. In the wedding industry, this is going to be very geocentric. So whatever location you are, it's going to be, you don't want to be found for a Ontario videographer. You want to be found as an Edmonton videographer. So using certain keywords and optimizing your account in that way can really help 
people find you even in your busy seasons when you can't be posting constantly. And that's the sustainability piece that I like to focus on. It's not just about content creation. It's also about account optimization. That's where we get into strategy and brand, where we are focusing on that brand message so that when people land on our accounts, they know exactly who we are. They can see what we offer and they don't have to go digging in order to find how to connect with us. Even if we're not posting content, we are still being found. Yeah, I think it's so important to make it easy for customers to find you. If they're having to jump through hoops and really you know, dig deep to find you, then you've already lost them in, in, in that sense. I'm curious to know, we're talking about keywords and hashtags. Are there some really glaring mistakes you're seeing these days right now, wedding professionals or just anyone that has a small business with their hashtags. And like, again, there's a lot of information out there. And I think it's easy for some of us to go down this rabbit hole on what they should be doing with their hashtag uh, strategy, whether it's on TikTok or Instagram or uh, Facebook to a degree, I guess. And can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Keyword research isn't just for hashtags because hashtags will likely be phased out. The account, the platforms have done a really good job of incorporating AI and SEO into the platform so that it is reading your posts. And even the words that you put on a video, as long as they're being typed into the native platform editing side, they can read that. And so if you put Edmonton photographer as words on the screen, your video will will rank for that keyword. So Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. So honestly, like the more keyword research that you do, the better. I think the main problem that people encounter or uh, issue that they come up with when they're trying to be more SEO friendly is that they're focusing on highly competitive keywords. So There are a lot of Edmonton photographers, so you might not rank for Edmonton photographer. You might have to get creative on how what kind of keywords you're using just by adding an S, Edmonton photographers. Mm -hmm. It might be a less competitive uh, keyword for you to use. So I think that specifically in the hashtag research, if you're going to be using hashtags as far as keyword research, which I still think is an effective tool, not effective as it once was, unfortunately, but still effective, that you are just paying attention that you're not trying to compete for a keyword that has millions of posts attached to it. It's just not sustainable and you aren't going to rank for it in any large way. So it's trying to find kind of those smaller niche ones that people are still actively searching for. So if you are a person who is getting married, are you going to be searching for micro weddings or are you going to be searching for intimate weddings? And it's really knowing what your audience is going to be searching. And maybe it's both, but you have to look at how competitive those keywords are as well as what your specific audience is actually searching. And there's a little bit of trial and error through that. There's also more traditional SEO research tools that you can use for that. And as well as just looking up the keywords that you are looking to rank for and seeing how competitive they are, seeing what kind of content is being posted in them and being really you know, intentional with the ones that you're choosing. For example, actually, I'm um, working with a client who's a virtual assistant And she is trying to get more clients, so small businesses, to hire her as a virtual assistant. But every virtual assistant hashtag is 
how is basically virtual assistant coaching, right? It's actually like, I can help you become a virtual assistant. So for her, using the virtual assistant keywords are not helping her attract her core audience of small business owners. It is going to attract other virtual assistants, which does not help her get more clients. So it's in the same fashion, being careful about the hashtags and the words that you're using and being watching the space that you're trying to be in and seeing who else is ranking there and what is popular, what kind of content is doing well there, and then either matching your content in that direction or finding a more appropriate keyword for your business. Would you say that if a keyword or a hashtag has been used more than, say, 50,000 times, that is too much? Or like, is there like a threshold that you're looking at that we should be uh, going after? Or It's more about relevancy, if I'm being honest. Like we've got hashtags that are over a million views that are completely dead. And it's because the hashtag was used five years ago. So it's just as much about relevancy as it is about size. So when you're looking, um, it's also about how big your own account is. If you've got under a thousand followers and you're trying to rank for a uh, hashtag or a keyword in the 500,000 posts ranking, then, you know, it's going to be difficult for you to rank. But if you search kind of 10 to to 20,000, you've got a better shot. So it's kind of finding a fine line that it's both (laughs) relevant enough that there's enough audience searching it that and is also (laughs) not so competitive that you won't rank for it. I used to have better benchmarks, but as hashtags specifically are kind of dying out, um, I really do think they won't be around a whole lot longer. The focus is instead about keyword research. And I would say using more traditional methods of keyword research, like a tool like Ubersuggest or you know, looking up the specific keywords and how much people are searching that kind of on the internet is probably more effective than hashtags at this point. Well, this is a great segue because... We're coming up to the top of the hour here, and you, you've dropped a lot of great information that I believe our listeners are going to be able to start applying to their businesses right now, which is great. But if they're wanting to get more and are needing some help and have that coach or that consultant that can really help them with their own business, how can people find you? I am always available on Instagram and TikTok uh, at Laura Milroy Media. You can also head to my website at lauramilroymedia.com and send me a message there. I'm happy to chat, you know, and answer a few questions that way. If you want direct, customizable advice, just send me a DM on Instagram and I am offering all of your listeners 50% off of my 60-minute consult calls where I give you every piece of knowledge that I can about social media and your business and what would be most effective that we can fit inside an hour. And I will offer that to you for 50% off. That's amazing. So all those listeners that dropped off at the uh, 30 minute mark here, they're going to be kicking themselves now because that's such an amazing offer. Thank you so much for uh, offering that to our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. My goal, honestly, is... I like small businesses. I much prefer them. I think they make the marketplace a much better, a better place and a place full of honesty, integrity, and innovation. And I want to see more small businesses survive what is a really difficult year so far. And so if uh, if I can help do that, I want to help in any way I can. 
Well, you're such a gem and and someone that I think a lot of our listeners can learn so much more from. So thank you so much for spending the last hour with me. And uh, we're going to have to do this again because I didn't even get through half the questions I had for you. <laughs> but there's just so much out there that we can uh, discuss and we're going to have to uh, do this another time. Yeah, no, this has been great. Thanks so much for having me. Wonderful. Well, that's it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Alberta Wedding Podcast. Each week, I will pull back the veil and introduce you to the faces behind the brands that you love in Alberta. Your feedback matters. It would mean a lot to me if you could leave a review and let me know what you think of this episode. Until next week, stay well and be merry.